Hello again, my gorgeous listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast, where we talk all about the wonders of sex, sexuality, and the body. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and I'm always delighted to be part of the Tortoise Network, where you can find tons of content on politics, culture, society, and of course, my favourite topic of sex. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash Tortoise to help keep the mics on. Or if you like, please pop over to Apple and rate and review. If you want to get in touch about the podcast, the Twitter and Instagram is at Podcast. So we have a very special bonus episode for you today. A very exciting development if you're in this kind of area and you care about sexual wellness and not so much about gross materials going inside your body. So to talk to me about this very exciting development, I have a wonderful person called Stu Nugent joining me today. And he says, you think that 17 years in the sex industry would desensitize you to it? Nope. Stu still wakes up every morning surprised and thrilled by what newness there is in sex and by all the ways it entertains and shocks us. Stu's background is in communications, writing specifically, and over the years has worked for some of the biggest names in pleasure. Who'd have thought a life in sex toys could take you to places as disparate as the headquarters of Rolling Stone in New York and a prison cell in Kazakhstan. It's a long story and it's been a wild ride. And we like wild rides in the world of sex, Stu. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm very well. It's a it's a good day. How are you? Good, good, good. I am awake, so that's uh, <laughs> it's always a good start to a good day. So, um, you have definitely, yeah, you've lived life, and you you spend more time than the average person in the world of sex toys. Um, just tell us a little bit about that before we dive into the super exciting news that we're going to share today. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, it's been a, a wild ride, but I'm quite unusual, I think, in the fact that it's one that I chose for myself quite early on. I had an interest in journalism in my early teens, but I also discovered in the early days of the kind of burgeoning adolescent internet um, that adolesced in my own adolescence that I had a love of writing and communicating. And uh, the internet back then was a home for people communicating about sex. So I discovered that early on, there was a huge amount of pleasure and satisfaction to be derived from finding ways to communicate really well about sex. And I decided when I was like at A-levels that I wanted to do that for a living. That was going to be my life. And I pursued it very, very hard. Um, I had some very strange jobs in the early days. If you remember, um, I used to write just anything that would bring in money, really. But I paid for my my tuition while I was at university, largely by writing scripts for phone sex lines. Okay. Which was uh, not glamorous. But, no, um... no. It always <laughs> seems glamorous. And then behind the scenes, it's like, mm, no. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, it was pretty grim back in the day. But um, luckily, over the last 16 or 17 years, things have really changed. And I've been able to be part of that change. And I'm very excited. Um, the avenue that eventually led me to where I am today was, in the end, sex toys. Um, when I was about 21 or 22, I worked as a copywriter for a web design agency, and the guy who owned it also owned a very small chain of sex toys, and he hired me to write his website. And from that grew um, a small business, and then I was picked up and went to a major retailer in the UK, and then to... Um, a very high-end luxury sex toy brand in Shanghai and in Croatia and now today Berlin. And that's oh, wow. what led me here. 
Okay, so international jet-setting sex toy lifestyle. Can you get that on a t-shirt? You probably could. I mean, yeah. That well, and you've seen it all then, because there's so like the sex toy industry itself has just developed so much. I mean, for was it the nineties and the noughties, like there was one toy and that was the rampant rabbit, and that was thanks to sex in the city. It, it was like apparently the only toy out there in existence. But now we have sex toys that don't even look like sex toys, you know, they're just random shapes and or uh, like molded dragon dildos and zombie sex toys and all this kind of fun stuff um how like is that that's a very short time period for the industry to really just explode with with choice right like 20 20 odd years yeah i I think 21 years since the very famous episode of sex in the city that you just mentioned that really did change everything in a sense for i think largely for the better um the particular product in that episode is not one that would hold up today. No. <laughs> um, but uh, what it did was it started a conversation that these products did exist and were in people's bedrooms mm. and uh, kind of energized pretty much a whole generation into becoming more amenable to the idea of having pleasure products as part of their normal lifestyle and talking about them excitedly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because when, when I know when I was growing up, like I would be watching Sex and City as a teenager and I, I don't remember lots of conversations about, oh, you could just have a toy for fun. It seemed to be like a marital aid, as it was referred to a lot, or like when something was going wrong in the bedroom. It wasn't really framed as this is just a cool thing that you can have cool orgasms with and that's all it is. And it was a very different kind of narrative, I suppose. Was it like that kind of in the UK? It was, uh, we've done, it was a, it took a long time to shake off the phrase marital aid and you still see it appearing now specific, specifically in like a, in um, uh, sexual health organizations with Christian backgrounds will still use that phrase quite, quite often. And that's where it comes from originally. It was kind of snuck in, in the early 20th century. Um, Mr. Kellogg uh, was the, I may have been the man who coined that phrase. Oh, Mr. Um, Kellogg was a very troubled person, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, think about that when you're eating your cornflakes and the clitoridectomies he used to do on people, or not people, on nine-year-old children, nine-year-old girls. Yeah. yeah that's a uh, yeah. side note, but I just, I'm always like a very anti-Kellogg person, but yeah. Yeah, but- me too. I actually, I, I've written a, a short book where I devote a chapter to trying to shake off the legacy that he established in us regarding masturbation particularly and pleasure in general and and we certainly have at least if progress at least it's safe to say we've progressed away from that kind of thinking most of us yeah (laughs) well hopefully a lot more of us than 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 before yeah but then when it came to things like sex toys you know like we've done a lot of work about removing um sexual shame and stigma but when it comes to sex toys there's still a little bit of kind of that they kind of live in this gray area of like they're not a legit product for some people and then for others obviously they are and they're sold above counters they're not sold you know in like back alleys and plastic bags and all this kind of thing like they're like legit products but because it's sex there's always an element of shame or stigma and stuff the problem with that is is that it's generally was unregulated so you could basically make a sex toy out of anything yeah it it, for a long time it was the absolute wild west up until i think about the year 2000 one of the largest components and changing attitudes has been the internet 
and the way that people communicate and discuss personal pleasure and uh, body autonomy and agency and those kinds of things. That, that's, that's really what turned the corner for us because previous to that, with a complete lack of regulation and standardization, there was very, there was no consideration given to what happens to a product after it's sold, for example. There is no consideration of what impact a product might have on the body, let alone something as big as the environment. You know, so the all of the materials from before 2000, which is the threshold, um, are certainly questionable. And as our understanding of the materials and our bodies increases, things like plastic softeners um, become much cleaner and safer. And it's really the plastic softeners that caused so much, that gave our reputation such a bad name for so long. Um, if you add uh, a plastic softener, for example, um, some phthalates, for, for instance, to rubber, then you get a material that was called jelly rubber. There's no, there isn't even a definition of jelly rubber. Oh, okay. Just, just yeah. jelly rubber is what it says on yeah. the tin. <laughs> Okay. Which is it's kind of a hilarious phrase to say, but the implication of it is, <laughs> yeah. is a bit gross. But um, those materials were, those are industrial materials. And sex toys are things that, are, that we treat, we have the same relationship with sex toys as we do with food. They are intimate and sensational products that we, we put into our bodies. And for so long, at least food had, in, in the US at least, had FDA regulation. And there was some control over what you were putting into your body, but there was nothing like that for sex toys. And uh, manufacturers and um, like at the lower end of the industry would go to great lengths to circumvent any regulation that there was. And there was virtually none. For a long time, for example, um, the kinds of regulations that would apply to a sex toy with the same kind of regulations that would apply to the nipple on the end of a baby bottle, um, because it's something that obviously has a kind of intimate contact. And manufacturers would simply sidestep side that regulation by adding for novelty use only to the oh, sides of the boxes. It's a catch-all phrase. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely meaningless. If you consider the phrase for novelty use only, what is it doesn't mean anything. No. It's, what is it? Yeah. What is a novelty use like that? Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. You can't actually make that work. Yeah. No, but for, for so long, that phrase, which still appears even to this day, uh, was a way to prevent manufacturers from even having to submit their products to review for the tiny amount of regulation that existed. They still wanted to ignore it. And that's why I'm, um, that's why recent developments have been are so important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So so these are brand new. I saw it when you tweeted about it just a day or two ago, um, very recently. So this is the International Organization for Standardization. So they're now actually going to tackle sex toys. So they have a new regulation. Um, if people want to get technical about it, it's ISO 3533.2021 and it's called Sex Toys Design and Safety Requirements for Products in Direct Contact with Gentalia, the Anus or Both. I like how like they're, they're very inclusive with that, although they don't say the mouth as well, but I suppose 
yeah, that's probably a whole different thing. But if it's going into your body, genitalia and anus are pretty, you know, up there with where they would be going. Um, and talk us through what what this looks like then. Yeah. Okay. So I am unusually excited by this news, and I have to I have to preface this by saying that um, I had no involvement in the process of getting this done. It was uh, a group of my colleagues and the company that I work for. Um, who were doing quite a lot of the legwork behind this, but it came as a surprise even to me, and I and I monitor these things quite closely, so it was a well guarded secret. That's good trade. <laughs> yeah, you know, congratulations! Yeah, congratulations <laughs> yeah. to them. Um, but what it is uh, fundamentally is a standardisation of what constitutes a sex toy, for instance, um, and the standards to which they have to be produced in order to keep a user safe. And I think that perhaps I can talk about the detail in it in a moment, but I'd just like to spend, if it's okay with you, just spend a moment talking about what it means symbolically. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, to talk about the ISO standard for a moment, the ISO standard is um, an independent body of uh, researchers and technicians and engineers who work loosely together it's not it's not a company as such it's like a kind of loose affiliation and what they do is they look at the market and they see where new products are emerging and where that emergence requires a little bit of guidance and a little bit of oversight to make sure that the products are usable and are of good quality and are at the end of the day safe and when there's an, a very famous ISO called ISO 2001 and ISO 2001 was celebrated it made headline news across the world when it came into came into existence because what it did was it standardized standardized manufacturing across like the electronics industry and companies who got the certification would have staff holidays because it meant so much to the businesses and that's how I feel a little bit at the moment having been in this industry so long this new ISO standard for us symbolically means that um, we are legitimate. And I don't mean that to imply that all this time what we do has been illegitimate, of course. What I just mean is that all of that hard work, all of the research and development that goes into making a decent and respectable and, and functional and pleasurable sex toy is now being recognized as worthy of standardization. And that sounds so boring when I hear myself say it, but no, it's also but it's so exciting. No, it's such a good thing because, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's naming the fact that orgasms are important and let's help people stay safe while they're having an orgasm or just general pleasure from a sex toy. And um, yeah, absolutely. You would be celebrating. I hope you had some champagne. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing about it is that the certification and the standard itself, the documentation for it, it's actually really human. It's a, it's a technical document, and therefore it's available mostly to companies and to uh, uh, R&D specialists and engineers and stuff. But the way it's written really has the fundamental cause front of its mind. If you, if you mind, I'll just read a sentence from the opening paragraph sure. of this thing. And this, is how, this is how the document opens. And bear in mind, this is a very dry and informative document. It says, sex toys are in touch with physically sensitive parts of the body. It may be embarrassing for the users to report issues concerning those products. Creating an international standard for sex toys regarding design, materials, and user information 
would help both user producers and resellers to make sure the sex toys on the market are safe to use and that the user has information on how to use them correctly. And although I take issue with the use of the word correctly there, I think that that's that's a pretty good summary, isn't it? Yeah, that's nice. Like, well, and correctly, you'd hope no one's putting the battery end inside themselves or, you know, or yeah, the wrong, the wrong bits. But yeah, that just sounds nice. And it just makes it sound like every other product, you know, it's just like a nice regular thing. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, it fits us right in the landscape of normal electronics, just in the way that um, a smartphone would be regulated. But I think it actually goes a little bit further than that because a, a smartphone certification would never say something like it. Well, I'm just, the implication would be that it has to be safe, but it wouldn't say wrongly using a smartphone might be embarrassing to a user. But I'm, yeah. I'm glad they mentioned that specifically in the opening paragraph of this because perhaps embarrassment isn't quite the right word, but um, there is a sense of shame sometimes yeah yeah if it breaks you might not be willing to bring it back or something where you'd quite easily bring your phone back yeah yeah Yeah. and if you notice a fault a design flaw in a sex toy who do you tell like who yeah (laughs) for for a regular user i think that kind of language and that kind of communication is a little bit intimidating Mm. and by having a standard perhaps we get to eliminate that kind of discomfort for a user Absolutely. And it's it's not just discomfort. Like there's a lot of research that's quoted by the, the standard here. And, and like they're talking about, they actually did quite a lot of work put into this, like you said. Um, but some of the studies are looking at sexual stimulation device related injuries in 2009. And one was um, outcomes of rectal foreign bodies between male and females, a retrospective analysis of a national inpatient database in Japan. So I know while we're having a laugh and um, talking about sex toys, they can actually injure people if they're used the wrong way or something happens, whatever, you know, people put all sorts of things inside their bodies um, in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways. Um, But they can actually do damage to people. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. you don't have to dig very hard to find some real horror stories. No, I mean, I won't. won't, won't, We had Emma on the podcast before and she talked about, you know, those book plugs with the diamond on the end and she had one lost inside her body and like she she thankfully got it out just in time, but it was a whole operation. And they were like, if you had left this longer, you know, you may need a colostomy bag for life. And like, that's pretty scary, you know, and there there are some research actually in this um new standard in Ireland and colorectal injuries in Ireland. So it's like, you know, we, we, we definitely have it here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't expect some, you don't expect something as relatively innocuous as a sex toy to be capable of causing a life changing health problem. Mm. But unfortunately due to occasionally due to some very poor design choices that can happen. And hopefully this kind of standard and this certification should prevent those things from making it to market. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and just basic things, because like, I mean, again, you wouldn't think it was so harmful, but the fact that she had to go and emerge, undergo emergency surgery and was then thinking, God, I might have to give up my job. Then I can't pay my rent. Then I have to live with my parents again. And all because you wanted a good time at four in the morning. You know, it's just, yeah, it's pretty, pretty sad. So, so talk to us then about what, what this new regulation will actually mean. Are we going to see finally the end of those jelly toys? Are they, are they gone? Hopefully. 
yeah, that's a good question. Um, the certification won't ban anything, unfortunately. This isn't like a, it's not a legal document. It's just uh, a set of standards for companies who want to, who want to conform. You have to, you have to kind of opt in, you know. And unfortunately, just talking about the Western world for the moment, um, it won't do away with all of the products that, that for various cost efficiency reasons, don't want to put the money into the research and development to decent products. Those will still exist. But I think hopefully what it will mean is that the phrase that we mentioned a moment ago for, for novelty use only, will its use as a disclaimer will completely cease and it will instead become a red flag for a well-informed customer mm. to say that means that this product is not up to standard, it's not up to par. And then that way, the we would hope that the market itself, that the customers themselves will, will pursue these terrible products out of the market. They will stop existing kind of organically, I suppose. Yeah. Um, which is about time, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's not just the... Like, not that we're like, oh, we love silicone, whatever, silicone's great. But the jelly toys are, are actually pretty dangerous. Like, they melt. I forget the name of the sex educator, um, but she has it on Twitter or Instagram. She has a jar of those jelly toys all chopped up and put in together. And it's just basically like a pile of goo now because they melt. And it's like, we don't want anything in our bodies that isn't actually stable and will melt and grow. Now, obviously, a one-time use, it's not going to melt. But, you know, if that's not stable and then it's really porous, so all that, like, bacteria gets in it. They're just bacteria bombs, basically, if you're putting that inside yourself. They are. They really are. And also, those those things, those plastic softeners that they add to those products, they don't soften the rubber and then they just stop working. They work that's what those plastic softeners do is they continuously soften. So a product, it's not uncommon for a product to melt. If you take a, one of those very, very cheap silicone, uh, sorry, um, very, very cheap jelly rubber dildos and put it on your shelf in sunlight for a couple of years, you come back and it's a puddle. Mm. <laughs> it's not good. It's not something, <laughs> no, you don't, want, you don't want that inside your body, you know, because no. your body will also, it takes on those, those potentially carcinogenic materials and, yeah. It's a bad time for everybody. Yeah, no, definitely not. And you're asking for things like trush or, you know, BV. And it's like, oh, like we, we could, we can avoid a trip to the doctor by using sex toys. We, we should try and do that. That's kind of a good thing. But that's then actually, interestingly, that, that's exactly the kind of tone that this document strikes. Um, is that much of the information within it is kind of just common sense stuff. And then to have it finally codified is what's important. But just to, to quote from it again, just to show you that this document isn't trying to overreach and it's not trying to um, fix every problem in the world, but it is a very, very good starting point. This is a little graphic, but uh, one, of the, one of the amazing sentences contained in all this technical information is this. If the product is inserted into the anus, methods of safely extracting it by the user is preferred over methods requiring medical expertise. Uh, well, I just think that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So it, it's not um it's not overreaching at all. It, that's a very very uh very human and um 
honest appraisal of the situation. I think. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, because, I mean, like you said, there still is that, that sense of shame and people will make up all sorts of stories about how they, they fell on a dildo and it just magically inserted itself um, in your anus. And obviously science and bodies don't necessarily really work like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's I think it, the more we move into a society where sexual wellness is valued, the hopefully that shame and stigma kind of goes down. So this is a really good time for, for this to come out. And I think especially as well because we're we're being a lot more eco-friendly these days like there's a good few eco-friendly products on the market now so you can get vibrators that biodegrade and that sounds fantastic how do you think that will kind of fit in with this now obviously they're not going to biodegrade inside you hopefully not that's uh, the wrong kind of biodegrade not like the jelly where where were the eco stuff going to fit into this standard well there's room in the standard to be measuring sustainability Okay, so the, the the part of this standard is not that once you've sold the product, you no longer have any responsibility or any obligations. This this part of the code is that you are constantly following up with the customer and with um, the feedback and the, the testing that's being done aftermarket. And that alone, as a priority in this document, is enough to ensure that manufacturers are starting to lean towards more sustainable materials. For example, the, 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 the product, or one of the products that you mentioned just there, the uh, recyclable biodegradable sex toy. Um, the one I have in mind is a, it's a product called Premium Eco. It's one that um, I worked on partially myself. It's made of a material called BioLean. And BioLean is a, it's a, a material with all of the mechanical properties of ABS plastic, so good, healthy products. Uh, but it's made from cornstarch, which is completely renewable. And it's able to be produced to the same kind of cost as ABS plastic, but with none of the footprint. And that the new ISO standard kind of emphasizes that kind of innovation. Like if your product is it's, a, it's not fair to say if a product is healthy for the planet, it's healthy for the body. That's not true. But it's trying to emphasize that the two aren't in conflict with each other. Mm. And that one doesn't need to, you don't need to be using expensive materials in order to produce really good, pleasurable, body safe materials. Yeah. And, uh, I know, especially in Ireland, where a lot of that progress is already quite, quite well known, quite well established. You guys have been doing good work over there. Um, that language is already starting to seep into the main into the customs who are seeking those sustainable alternatives out, and that's really the key: is making sure our customers are well educated that there are good, healthy alternatives ready for them. Absolutely, yeah, and even some people, you know, when I'm running sex ed workshops, we talk about the packaging sex toys come in. You know, can you avoid um, as much plastic packaging, or you know, like some some retailers will say, you know, that it's cardboard, it's biodegradable, um, and people are actually looking for that stuff. You know, it's like there is a good emphasis on recycling in Ireland, I think. Um, you know, and and let's spread that across the world. But yeah, sex toys should be part of that. And I actually have gotten a good few questions about can. And I recycle my sex toy and I suppose that well Love Honey was doing that for a while and much over COVID how are they still doing that I'm that's sure. a really good question I don't know off the top of my head I haven't considered yeah. that I know, that, I, they I know that they've been, been yeah. yeah they've been doing that scheme for a, a long time it's really mm. good yeah but there are tiny things there are tiny things that manufacturers can do 
that can have a surprisingly big impact. For example, when we did this premium eco product that I just mentioned, one of the things that we looked at was the USB charging cable. And oh. just by reducing it by 50%, you suddenly start reducing the amount of plastic that's going back into the waste stream afterwards. Okay, I did not know that. That's fascinating. So just the, the charging point on the sex toy, the USB point. The, the, the cable. Oh, the cable itself. From your, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like, no one's going to complain if your cable is too big or too thin. Like, that's yeah. not a thing that most people compare, but you can also save the environment that way. So that's fantastic. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's just a tiny little piece of innovative thinking because it's so simple to do, but it would be overlooked because there might be some kind of tiny cost associated to researching a shorter USB cable or something. But it's those tiny little things that... The sex toy industry right now is huge. It's it's worth something around $30 billion a year, which wow. is bigger than the entire live music industry across the world. Okay. Wow. So people uh, prefer orgasms than gigs. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> Even when you consider K-pop, I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. That's oh, yeah. That's actually a big one. <laughs> but when, when you're talking about those kinds of numbers, having a USB cable that's four centimeters shorter over... 500,000 products, it suddenly makes a huge difference. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And w- would there be a push to like standardize all, like I think the EU is talking about standardizing um, phone chargers to make them all the same for everyone because we all have like a drawer of phone chargers that we're never going to use again. Um, and a lot of sex toy chargers come are, are the same. You need different ones for different ones. Is, is there any talk of that? Just like one sex toy charger and one mobile phone charger or maybe one charger that does both, hopefully at the same time. <laughs> Well, that would be, that's what you're describing is the utopia. Like one cable for <laughs> <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> that's, that's the end goal. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been part of those particular conversations myself, but that would be awesome. We, we make, um, we have a company-specific USB charger, but if you're, if you have a, here's a secret that most people don't know. If you have any kind of conductive charging device, for example, an electric toothbrush, you can technically use that to charge any conductive charging product. Like I can charge my mobile phone on my toothbrush charger. I did not know that. Okay. I'm going to try that now after this. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, yeah. So that's, but that's the way it should be. I think that would be common sense, but common sense isn't that common sometimes. Yeah. That's the problem, isn't it? But <laughs> it's just baby steps at the moment. Every, every small step that we make, counts right now while the while the industry is growing and growing so fast these little changes that we're kind of encouraging right now and these codes and standardizations now is when it's most important because we can't do it 10 years from now it's only going to be worse then no definitely not and i wonder then is there a push to move away from using um a lot of so a lot of sex toys are made in china and that's obviously a lot of carbon footprints you know shipping them over and things like that are there moves for like setting up factories like in each country i know then it's like again that's different conversations about labor laws and um different standards and stuff but you know that carbon footprint from china is a pretty big one yeah it is and it's hard to offset as well. Um, it's a tricky one to tackle, largely because while our ethics and our moral- morality, as we sat here speaking to each other, would be that we should bring manufacturing here so that we can manage it better and more closely and to a higher standard, 
Well, you're going to take away 400 million jobs in China for a start. But that's just one side of it. I mean, the manufacturing in China is cheap for a reason. It's because they can do very high volumes. They have a massive workforce. They have access to the resources. The, the goal of bringing the manufacture out of China and having it perhaps in Europe is one solution, but a better solution is trying to improve the conditions in China. That's the more realistic uh, way to approach it, I think. And I've been, I've been, I used to live in China and I spent a lot of time in those, in those warehouses and factories. And when they're managed by Western companies and when we have ISO standards that a business has to be accountable to, you can have very close management of those operations and you can make sure that the products making it to market are of a high quality but that's not true everywhere and there are plenty of small startups selling sex toys that they claim are sustainable which are not um, this that's why it's important now to get some regulation in i think is because it's the right time to grab a hold of all of that stuff and be accountable for the fact that while a lot of the sex toy industry is doing incredibly good, heartfelt work, there are still flaws and there's still room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's like anything, I suppose. It's, you know, there's there's ways to go. And yeah, like labor laws, it's, it's important, even if it's sex toys. So that's a massive discussion stuff. So so just for people who are, are listening and they're kind of going, oh, I never thought about what my sex toy was made of, which is probably quite a lot of people. Um, pointers for them to get started. We're going to say silicone is probably the, the top level they, they should kind of be aiming for. Yep, silicone is um, more or less bulletproof as a material for intimate use. It's been used in medical procedures for many, many years now that it's the most prominent material in the sex toy industry. It too is up to a high standard. Um, be, for your listeners though, don't be afraid to question manufacturers when they say, for example, it's vegan friendly. Um, smaller, smaller and less reputable companies might be finding their silicone from an in from a business that has a history of testing on animals for example okay yeah it's it it's a little bit none of the big sex toy producers have to worry about that but um if if you're unsure about the reputation of a brand then go and speak to someone who works in a sex shop because they they are the most knowledgeable yeah. people on, in the world absolutely the people yeah the people on the ground on the front lines are the people who know it best mm -hmm. But um, silicone is generally a very, very reliable material. Glass, hardened glass is also quite good. Steel. Um, and the glass ABS one plastic. Is, yeah, but the glass one is quite good because people think it'll break and stuff, but it's it's actually treated glass. It's not randomly picking up a Coke bottle or, um, well, I'm sure some people do that, but try to use like proper products. So it's like treated and heat tempered glass that like is not going to break inside you. Yeah, ideally you, you would want a, a glass sex toy to be a sex toy, basically. You don't want to grab a, necessarily want to grab a wine bottle or something like that. But yeah, no. <laughs> glass is a, is a non-porous material. In most conditions, um, it's pretty safe. But I'm going to take that back. Don't grab, don't use anything that's not a sex toy. Yeah. 
that's yep yeah, I mean that's fair good advice as well so yeah because uh, yeah like you said the example of a wine glass like no one wants that to break inside yourself like nobody wants to deal with that and I'm still scared by seeing that video online of the guy putting his pint glass up his ass oh the poor man um so yeah don't don't do that that's not going to be fun um yeah it's the worst it's the worst thing in the world oh no no absolutely not oh and then ABS plastic which is kind of where all like the the air suction vibrators are kind of made out of now it's that kind of hard unbent plastic yeah well the bodies will be made of abs plastic in that in those cases in the majority of those kinds of products the actual bit that makes contact with your body is silicone Mm. Um, so it's an abs plastic with a silicone kind of face mounted to it and that's pretty common um yeah Okay, yeah, no, that, that's it. That's a great um, way. And it's, again, the same with the wood as well. It's treated wood, so there's not going to be any splinters coming off or, or anything like that. So you're not picking up a random stick from the forest or anything like that. You are using actual legit lacquered and treated gear and stuff. You're not going to be or having any forest mites on your sticks. That's definitely not what we want inside ourselves. Um, Again, make sure you're buying sex toys designed to be sex toys in those cases, because the people who are producing them have, go and question them about it, but they will generally have very good understanding of what varnishes can be used and what's safe and what's not and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, you know, your sexual wellness, it's important, you know, treat yourself to good products like that are actually designed, you know, like I don't think we'd put random like car oil in our hair or anything like that. Like just because we saw it online or something, we use like actual products made for our hair. So our genitals should be the same, like use products that are, are there actually made for your genitals. So yeah, that's a good point there. Um, that, that was, yeah. that, that was beautiful. That was like a, a man, that was like a manifesto. I feel really empowered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stop putting your hair in your garage and like your motor oil in your hair. Well, obviously there's a petrol crisis at the moment, so that you can't do that anyway so that's important um so that's it's fab too it's it's really grab, grab, great ugh. it's really great to see that that change is really there and you know and hopefully i think it might push the industry on and you know empower people to be a bit more innovative so i'm really excited now that like because sex toys have moved away from even looking like sex toys you know there's there's still our giant veiny penises but there's like triangles and like random shapes that don't look anything like genitalia and I just wonder what the next 20 years will bring or you know I, I obviously like VR is kind of kind of comes and goes VR keeps threatening to be the next big thing and then just doesn't quite kind of go what, what are your thoughts for how sex toys will develop over the next little while well it's it's a really exciting time to be honest. It's the best possible time to be doing the kind of work that I do because there's a lot of different ways that it can, it can go. Um, traditionally, uh, sex toys have been very much focused on anatomy, which is why you had these big veiny phallic looking things. But now the focus has moved away from anatomy and onto sensation, which is why there's, of course, there's always going to be room for conventional products that vibrate, the vibrators are always going to be around because those sensations are tried and tested. And most people enjoy them in one way or another, but the things like air pulse technology, air pleasure tech, air pleasure technology and um, clitoral suction devices and um, products that use sonic waves instead of vibrations, those kinds of things are really fascinating because they're starting to unlock not just 
not just new designs, not just new ways to think about pleasure, but new ways to interface with pleasure, new ways to interface with technology and new, new ways to experience sensation. And that's where the future is going to be, I think. It's not going to be, the, we're, we're limited by our anatomy. There's only so many things you can put yourself into or put in yourself, but there's limitless amounts of different ways to experience sensation. Um, I once, oh, that's a side note, but the, the, the next technology I think is not going to be one bound by things like clunky, loud, vibrating motors, but much more word I'm looking for. Streamlined. St streamlined, perhaps holistic. Yeah. Holistic, I like that, yeah. Much more whole body, essentially incorporating the fact that pleasure is largely formed in the mind. And that means that sex toys don't necessarily even need to be physical. There are, yeah. Interesting. Okay, we're getting into the, the sci-fi kind of area of that. <laughs> so that's fab. Um, and just, just, I suppose, before we go, what are your thoughts on like the celebrity endorsements? Like obviously we had Lily Allen endorsing Womanizer and Cara Delevingne is set up her company as well. Um, but like that's that's a that's a big thing now. Do you know, a lot of celebrities would have never gone near sex toys before. They'd happily market weird stuff in Japan and hope no one saw the ad. But like, you know, to have celebrities actually out there and Lily Allen's hashtag was I masturbate, which is, you know, again, very different um, than what we would have seen before. So what do you think of that, that celebrity endorsement? It's a very good question. I have a mixed, I personally speaking just on behalf of myself and, and not on behalf of any kind of employer or anything like that, I have a mixed relationship with uh, celebrity in general and the way that we kind of um, iconographize uh, or the expectations that we put on people to be good role models, for example, um, are not necessarily always very healthy, uh, especially when they let you down, which is always a risk because people are people. Um, but in general, I think that anything that helps to bring a message to a wider audience, as long as that message is healthy and constructive, I think it's generally a good thing. If that means having to use the platform of a successful and influential person who is genuinely invested in the product, then I'm for it. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing to put, I don't know, a, a, to put a masturbator in, Daniel Craig's hands and just be, and that's a campaign. That's, that's not quite right. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts out of curiosity? I, I, can, I can kind of see pros and cons. I can almost see that James Bond style masturbator in Daniel Craig. And that would sell bucket loads because that's a very like GQ, James Bond, you know, tech gadget, gizmo kind of thing and stuff. Um, I think it's good on one level because it normalizes a lot. Like I see the success of Maura Higgins, who was on um, Love Island, um, the Irish lady, and she she has a gig now with Anne Summers and she's talking about lingerie and stuff. And I think that's really empowered a lot of Irish women to, to wear that and feel sexy and because you're seeing it a lot more. It's a lot more normalized. And that's what I kind of like seeing, you, you know, like sex being normalized, but then that's a bigger question then of like, well, what about those who like the taboo element of it, you know, so it's kind of a balancing act. But I think, um, you know, when I, when the Lily Allen thing came out, I think it did really spark 
quite a lot of commentary and some of it was taking the piss and you know some of it was slagging her off but maybe at the other end of that newspaper article someone was reading it and going oh I didn't know um air suction vibrators were a thing I thought they were gigantic eight foot veiny things and I would never have used that so I I I see kind of both sides but I also think of that person who maybe you know have their lives changed by reading this article um even if it's completely taking the piss and then they might go you know what I'm gonna get one of them and then they go and treat themselves so it's nuanced I think I suppose that's the answer to everything isn't it it's nuanced I suppose so, but you, I, I think you are absolutely right when you said a moment ago that it was about balance. Mm. I, I think that's that's key. Um, yeah. One of the things that I would like us to do less is to maybe, or no, let me put it another way. I would like us to be choosing really good celebrity partners, yes. not just famous people, not famous for the sake of being famous or, or famous for one particular skill, but instead like, just really good creative people, for example, people you wouldn't, people who aren't necessarily famous, but who have, who have passion and, um, and understanding and are very well-rounded humans, perhaps who aren't so well-known. Um, those are generally the people I would aspire to be working with, I suppose. Yeah. So it's not just like, here's a celebrity and another product to flog, you know, like flat tummy tea or something, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I get you on that. Yeah. And that's again, it's normal because most people would hopefully aim to be well-rounded people themselves who also enjoy sex. So you're just reflecting that back into the world. So, yeah, maybe that's your next campaign idea there. There you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, you can have that one for free. That's fine. Um, listen to you, it's been fantastic. And I'm so excited that this news is out there. And I'm really excited. We'll check back in with you when the podcast is still going strong in 20 years to see what the wonderful world of sex toys will be like then. They're probably going to be all robotic and... Uh, I don't know, like touch activate or voice activated and all this kind of fun stuff. But um, at least they will be regulated. So that's happy days on that. So fab. It's um, the future. Yeah, absolutely. Robotic size, everything. Is that a word? I don't know. Um, where can people find you if they want to reach out to follow your work and also to learn about how you got trapped in Kazakhstan in a prison cell? <laughs> I'm having you back on because I need, need that story. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll come back for that. But uh, if people are looking for me, um, you can usually find me hanging around on Twitter. Uh, it's underscore underscore bat country. I am um, as someone with a marketing and, and branding background. I am very bad at doing it for myself. Hence underscore underscore bat country. But, um, <laughs> yeah. it, it, my name's Stu Nugent, S-T-U-N-U-G-E-N-T. Just stick that in Google. Um, don't look too far. Uh, yeah you'll find me stop on page two maybe might be the best <laughs> brilliant listen thanks you for coming on and i really appreciate it and i'd urge everyone to go out and you know research what's in their sex toys and throw it all that gunky stuff recycle it if you can and treat yourself to some lovely new above board regulated items that are not going to do you harm or the environment harm so yeah that's where we're going eco orgasms nowadays so brilliant thanks to all my listeners and i'll chat to you next week